Hey everybody, welcome to a, a, a late edition of, of the USL show. Um, brought to you, of course, by Roughneck Scarves, your home for every soccer-related scarf you can think of. MLS, USL, national teams, custom orders, things like that. Chances are, if you own a soccer scarf, it's from Roughneck Scarves. Feel free to give them a check out, uh, roughneckscarves.com. Also want to give a shout out to my boy DK and, and the guys over at Soccer Loco. Um, any other apparel or equipment, things that you're going to need for the season that's starting up soon or the MLS season, uh, they'll, they'll help you out. Uh, USLshow.com, there's a banner that says Soccer Loco. If you want that really hot Atlanta peach kit that just came out, go get that. Also a great place for cleats, everything like that. They'll even help you figure out what kind of studs you need, which for a guy like me who's equipment illiterate when it comes to soccer, it's good stuff. Uh now that I've, I've paid the bills a little bit, uh, talking to James Grassi today from Toronto FC2, um, also wears plenty of hats with the first team writing for MLS Soccer and, and the uh, the club itself. Um, a really cool discussion, um, if, if I can be biased for a second, for two guys that talk about MLS2 teams and and the appeal of following them and, and why you know they're so important. So um, quick episode, about half an hour or so with James, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll send you on your way. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, big thanks to him. Check him out. Feel free, by the way, before we get out of here and I'll, I'll leave you to the interview, um, at the USL show, if you want to interact with us, I definitely want to hear some feedback from, from you guys on this one. Um, you can also check us out on Patreon, patreon.com backslash the USL show. I'm currently out of stickers. If I'm going to be honest with everybody, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll get you guys sorted out if you still need them for sure. Um, also if you wouldn't mind if once you join on Patreon, feel free to send us a, a DM or, or shoot us a, a, a high on Twitter and, uh, and we will definitely be in contact with you. So anyway, less talking from me now means, uh, you know, you'll just hear a little bit more of me, but it'll be pointed discussion. So, uh, take care. You'll hear James in a second. We got a couple other shows lined up for you this week that are going to be awesome as well. So stay tuned for sure. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends if they're not on the new feed that we're on a new feed as of a couple months ago. So definitely just make sure that you're getting the podcast where you need to get it. Uh, iTunes, Google play stitcher, all that fun stuff. So anyway, I'll stop talking, enjoy the podcast and, uh, and take care of yourselves for sure. Yeah. Joining me at this time from waking the red among other things, uh, James Grossi. Toronto FC two extraordinaire. Is it fair to say that you do you do it so no one else has to? Is that? <laughs> um, I I sort of view it as uh you know the way that this club is set up is is these guys are going to be making their leap to the first team. So mm-hmm. you know if I start talking to them when they're sixteen or seventeen, by the time they're twenty or twenty one, I've built up a bit of a rapport. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know it's kind of fun too. It's it's uh, it's a different kind of soccer. There's a different sort of feel to it it's uh to say it's less professional wouldn't be the right term but it's a little more sort of casual a little more laid back a little less uh you know under under the pressure that the first team sort of lives mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and, and especially and this is you know it'll be two of us gushing about mls2 teams for you know half hour or whatever <laughs> but i i think especially like and i don't know if it's the same with you guys or, or you know if you've heard any of those conversations but really truly at the end of the day you know the results don't matter as much as the the team hates losing or the guys on the team hate losing it's all about player development and you know like you said i mean there's a bunch of guys i think six guys that played with steel for like a year and and now are in the first team and there's 17 guys in the in the first team outfit that have played in bethlehem so it's one of those things where if you catch them early you can kind of you know like uh Matt Real and Mark McKenzie at the MLS draft. I, I bumped into and congratulated, and that was a, that was a cool moment for me. So definitely get where you're coming from on that one. 
Yeah, you know, um, back back when I started following MLS, the Super Draft was, you know, it, it was fun, and and the the first fifteen picks or so would sort of be relevant <laughs> right. to your first team. Yeah, and you know, the last couple of years we've really seen that jump from college to the professional game is such a distance that giving the guys a couple of years to sort of mm. percolate at this USL level really lets you sort of find out what a guy's about and, and what his future holds. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, Hey, so that being said, um, I didn't just drag you on here to talk about, you know, the, the, as much as I think that's interesting and as much as I'd probably like to do that at some point down the road with a bunch of people. Um, but we're here to talk about Toronto FC too. Indeed. Um, yeah. So, so just, you know, maybe talk about a little bit, you know, what you guys are, who you guys are, who's in charge up there and, and things like that. So this is the side's fourth season in USL. They were founded back in 2015 and it was, uh, you know, since, since Greg Vanny came in and Tim Bezbachenko, one of the, uh, one of the real focuses over these past four years or so has been taking the academy structure that they started, that the club started to develop way, way back in 2008, 2009, and sort of making a, a comprehensive player pathway from those academy teams down to U12 all the way up to the first team. And so USL sort of bridged the gap between the under eight teams. You know, they have a, a TFC three, which plays in what's called League One Ontario, and that's sort of a, an under 20 semi-professional sort of setup. Mm. And so USL sort of provides that extra bridge for the players that are making their way up to the first team. You know, uh, last season, the team played under Jason Bent, who had been the only first team coach that they had known. And it was announced in the off season that Bent would be moving up to the first team stash, to the first team staff, sorry. And uh, Laurent Guillot would be taking over first team duties with TFC2. Mm. Uh, Laurent has been with the club for a couple of years. He's a very interesting guy. He's very intelligent about the game. He's had a, a very long career, both as a defender himself over in France with several clubs and then as a both a first team and a youth manager over there and prior to joining TFC he was actually working for the French Football Federation hmm. as the instructor for their coaches for youth national youth teams and so if you remember a couple of years ago the MLS academies and the FFF created a partnership where the MLS academy coaches would start going over to France and spending some time there and developing their sort of technical coaching abilities. Laurent was actually at the head of that alliance. Mm. And so that's sort of how we came on a TFC's radar. You know, um, we haven't really seen a whole lot of the team so far this preseason. They've had a couple of friendlies. They played Syracuse. They're down in Arizona right now, sort of getting their legs under them. And, you know, looking at the roster, they have 14 contracted players at this point, which is, um, I know there's a bunch of trialists. I know mm. there are several guys on the first team that are likely going to see significant minutes down there, but without having really seen them. And then there's also the, the four players Toronto FC selected in the super draft that are, are mm. likely going to be sticking with two this year. Uh, without having seen them, we're really not exactly sure quite what to expect. You know, um, as you were saying before, one of the, one of the difficulties with these MLS two teams is they sort of have, they're trying to wear two hats, you know, yes. they're trying to, they're trying to win, which is what any, any professional outfit wants to do when they play football, but they're also trying to develop players. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's an old adage that I always think of whenever they, they swear up and down that they, they're both are their primary aims that, you know, if you have two objectives, you really have no objectives. Mm -hmm. And 
for everything that we've seen in terms of the development of players, you know, it's, it's worth mentioning Raheem Edwards, who sort of, you know, came to the first team like a lightning bolt last year. And he actually made his debut the year before momentarily. Um, he was a product of this. He, he was playing university soccer here in Toronto and he ended up joining up with TFC two and his development over those two years was, was exciting for everyone to see. Um, mm-hmm. But the results on the pitch have not been great, you know, in there. Sure. In their three previous years, they have won six matches each year. They set a new club record for points last season with 25. But I think that may have just had to do with the fact that there were more games last year with the sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, they also set a club record for losses in a season. You know, they've mm. never made the playoffs. It's uh, It's been a, a difficult adjustment process. And a big part of that is sort of... You know, you look across the league and you see guys who are 25, 26, 27. You see experienced guys. Like, I remember when they played against Tampa Bay early in the season last yeah. year. You're going up against Joe Cole and, like, these these savvy veterans. Sure, yeah, yeah. And you're, uh, you know, a 17-year-old. Now, the it being the fourth year, they're returning a, a solid core of players who have been there for those couple of years. And so, you know, we'll sort of see what this year is going to look like. But as of now, it's sort of a, a big question mark. Sure. And, 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 you know, I, I think that's one thing. And I told you that, you know, before we started recording is people get that. Um, and, and it's definitely kind of interesting, you know, week to week, I'm sure for, for you as well as myself or anyone else that covers a, an MLS two side to see, you know, what you get in a way from the first team, you know, cause there's, there's some weeks where you go, Oh, okay. Well, there's, you know, Adam Niem or for, for Bethlehem, you know, two years ago now it's, Oh, that's, it's Marisa do of all people, you know, um, <laughs> where, where, you know, and it's, it's a very strange balancing act. And like you said, I know Raheem Edwards, immediately a guy that, that jumps right off the page is people that have come through that organization and, and, um, you know, and, and even developing coaches too. Jason Bent, a guy who I, I very much enjoyed um, as a personality on the sidelines, him and Brendan, um, you know, I felt bad for the fourth official every time those two guys were <laughs> sharing the touchline. Uh, and, and, you know, he's a, a, a very nice guy after the game and, you know, professional. So it's nice to see him move up to the first team. But man, what a get for you guys, um, you know, to have a guy who with so much experience and so much relevant experience or, or you know, as far as developing players go, um, that's, you know, for a club where that's your, your big goal, or maybe that's the thing more than results that people should, should look at or, or watch for this year, then, you know, to find a guy like that, you know, th- there's not too many of him in the world, really. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to speak to him in this new role, but I, I had spoken to him in his previous capacity as Academy director, which is, mm-hmm. is a role he will also be, be fulfilling this year. And he's, mm-hmm. uh, He's a very interesting guy. He's very intelligent about the game. He's very intelligent about the coaching ethos. And part of his role here as academy director was that sort of developing the internal academy coaches. Sure. You know, TFC has has teams going all the way down to the U12. And like Benoit Sheru is now taking over one of those positions. Hey. Danny Dicchio coaches TFC3. And if you remember Terry Dunfield from back in the day, he's in-house too. So Okay. To uh, to have somebody like him taking over this role is, is really exciting, and uh, you know Jason Jason's been with the club for almost as long as the club has been in existence, and he sure. is he's a he's a good guy. I really enjoyed my time speaking with him last year. Yeah, and and then you know, and I, and we just talked about how this will be an incredibly difficult exercise for you. But uh, you know, who are you looking out for in, in the year coming up? And you know, maybe because of that academy structure and having you know probably one of the, the better academies um, 
around, you know, if not definitely in all of Canada. Uh, maybe some academy kids that you're, that you're looking forward to, to getting some playing time with TFC too. Yeah, so when I sort of look at the roster, and as I was saying, you know, that's, it's a pretty slim roster mm-hmm. at the moment. Sure. Um, you can sort of break it into three different groups. There are the returning core of players, and those are sort of the guys who have been with the team for the last couple of years. You're thinking of, uh, you know, a Luca Cello, who looked really good last year. Yep. Uh, Sean Hundle, who sort of came on really strong there at the end. Um, Aiden Daniels is another guy who sort of stepped into his, his third or fourth season and really came on last year. Um, you know, Malik Johnson is a very tricky sort of attacking player. And so those are sort of the uh, – that young core that's going to be going into their third or fourth season that'll be leaned on to be really heavy starters. And then on top of that, there's there's a couple of older players. You know, there's Angelo Cavaluzzo, who really sort of proved his worth last year in goal. Yep. There's Ryan Telfer, who was a really exciting sort of wide attacker. And then along with those older players, there's sort of an international aspect to it. You know, Jelani Peters was a big center back that came in last year and was excellent before he ended up doing his knee and missing large parts of the season. They've... Um, they have a, another Caribbean guy, Ike Andrews, who's a a bullish, tenacious sort of forward that's that'll be expected to do really well the, last year. And they brought in uh, last season as well. They brought in a, a Panamanian named uh, Luis Pereira, who we only saw little glimpses of. But this is sort of an example of uh, an MLS team using their USL side to bring in international mm-hmm. players and, and get an extended look at them and see what they're like. And most recently, they signed a. A 21-year-old African kid named Gideon Waya, who we haven't seen anything from him, but it's just interesting to see them sort of putting those feelers out. And then the third sort of group is is the 16 and 17-year-olds that they sort of brought up from TFC3 last year. And, you know, we saw a fair bit of Dante Campbell. He's a tricky sort of right back. We saw a lot of Julian Dunn, who was just this 16-year-old defender that stepped into USL and was was fantastic. And then they also added Rocco Romeo and Noble Akello as well. Uh, Rocco was another... I, I interviewed Rocco, Julian Dunn, and Noble Akello all at the same time, and they are like <laughs> a combined 20 feet of defender. Oh, man. Yeah. I was standing there just feeling, feeling tiny. Sure, uh, yeah, yeah. And Noble, Noble was actually training over in Germany for a little while. He had a spell at Wolfsburg, and he's uh, he's got that Paul Pogba sort of defensive okay. midfielder, beastly body type. He's he's going to be a really interesting guy to watch. So, you know, in addition to those three groups that are sort of on the TFC two, that's the going to be their base this season. There's also the first team players that'll probably be seeing more minutes down there. You know, Liam Frazier was a, a key part of that core group that signed with the first team this year. And, uh, you know, playing behind Michael Bradley in that defensive midfielder position means there aren't going to be a lot of minutes for you with the first <laughs> sure, team. Sure, yeah. So I'd expect him to to feature down at two quite a bit. You know, Io Akinola is a U.S. Mm-hmm. youth international that signed with the first team. And, you know, TFC has a pretty healthy stable of, of forwards at the moment. So. Yeah. <laughs> There's one or two that are they're decent, I think, is a you know a, a nice way to put it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, some Italian guy that people like. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's tricky. He's tricky. He's a little yeah, he's, small, a, he's but, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so behind Josie and, and Sebastian Jovinko, you're mm. you're gonna find your minutes tough, and that's why we saw a lot of Jordan Hamilton and Ben Spencer down with TFC mm-hmm. two last year, and I'd sort of expect a similar role for them this year. Sure. Um, same goes sort of for Jay Chapman, who's. You know, he's behind Victor Vasquez. He's behind this new guy, Aguera Keche, that just came in. So 
he's going to be in a fight for minutes as well. And then, you know, Subasa Endo, who we saw a lot of in TFC2 last year, he's currently not with the club, although they've expressed interest in getting it sorted out. So, mm. you know, there's a lot of players with that first team that are likely to see minutes down at two. And part of that is that, uh, you know, for the last three seasons, they've been playing up in Vaughan, which is a, a suburb of the city north, uh, just about an hour north of downtown core. And uh, one of the problems with it was it was a synthetic pitch and it wasn't a professional setup in the sense that it was, it's a, it's the pinnacle, it's the stadium for the upper reaches of the youth soccer around here. So it's mm. a, it's a nice little stadium. It's a comfortable little ground, but the surface is really designed for maximum use as opposed to sure. professional level attainment sort mm. of thing. Mm-hmm. So you got the sense that uh, Greg Vanny and the first team were a little bit reticent to send first teamers down there when they were convalescing from any injuries. So like Nick Hagelin did his knee a couple of times. I don't know if you're going to trot him out on a pitch that you're not a big fan of. Right. Right. And the turf as well. Yeah. And so this year they're, they're splitting most of their season between BMO field actually for the large part of it. And then a little bit at Lamport, which, which will be artificial turf, but it'll be new and and hopefully a little better. That's where Mm -hmm. the rugby team plays as well. And then of course they're playing that handful of games out in Rochester. So, you know, at the moment, (laughs) <laughs> which, which is what it is you know I'm glad yeah able to help out the well and you know as soon as they announced that i'm sure you went well we're closest so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah. I, i'm glad they were able to help out a team that you know has a long history in north america and uh you know tfc2's attendance last year wasn't great part of that is being up up north of the city and this year mm-hmm. is expected to be a little bit better but you know it is what it is sure yeah, no, de- definitely um, a lot to chew on there. And I, I think we've seen the the MLS two sides that have had success are ones that, you know, have a blend of some of those older guys, you know, and, and as much as it, it is things on the pitch where they can almost act as coaches for those those teenagers and those kids that are in their early 20s or the kids just getting out of college. Um, a lot of it is stuff that you and I or, or just people in general don't get to see a whole lot of in, in terms of the locker room things and kind of how to carry themselves as professionals. So um, you know, definitely nice to see. I've always kind of liked the kids in, in Toronto, you know, Edwards and Hundal and and um, Cavaluzzo and, and those guys who I think have been, you know, <laughs> for a team that hasn't played well, they don't act like they're, you know, on a, on a bad team. Like you could put them pretty much in, you know, any USL team and they'd fit right in. Um, but it's nice to see that, you know, in year four, it looks like there's kind of that that group coming together where you have that spine of USL guys. And then there's some some mix between, you know, old veterans and, and sort of the academy kids looking to prove themselves at a, at a pro level. So definitely yeah. a, fam- a familiar story, but that's one that I, I like hearing about for sure. Yeah, two funny, two funny stories that have sort of come up over the years of covering this team are, uh, you know, Jason Hernandez is a veteran that they signed sort of to be a utility safety center back and he's currently not with the club but there's some talk that he's likely Mm. to return as well and we saw we saw him down with tfc2 for for one game when they played away in uh i want to say it was tampa early in the beginning of the year and you know seeing him in practice seeing him train with the first team the level of competition that you get from a veteran like that in Mm -hmm. terms of it it may be a tuesday training match he's not (laughs) likely to play the guy who he's yelling at is not likely to play, but right. if, you, if you take one play off, he's going to be on you. Yep. And that that was something that Alex Bono related. You know, he spent some time down with TFC two when he was when he was first drafted, and 
he said one of the one of the difficulties was sort of you know you're trying to make your way in the professional game and for some of these 16 year olds it that hasn't clicked yet mm. you know like they they don't realize that you're playing for a contract and that you're playing to feed your family and you're playing for a right. job and for them it's still sort of you know the next level of their youth program and i think i think we've seen with with what tfc2 has experienced these last couple of years is that those players are starting to get that they're starting to understand. And I, I think that's something that, that Laurent will really instill within them as well as those mm. veterans who come down. Sure. Sure. That's a, yeah, that's, that's a great point. Seriously. That's, you know, I know a very feisty Irishman. That's the same way uh, on, <laughs> on Bethlehem side of things. And I swear to God, first preseason game, he's yelling at the linesman. Yeah. You know, and it's one of those things. It's like, that doesn't, what does that do other than, you know, show that, that you're, you're willing to fight for those kids or, you know, the guys that you're playing with and, and, you know, for, for you and I, it's ridiculous and, and a hilarious thing, but you know, I'm, I'm sure for the guys that actually, you know, play the sport and everything, that's, that's, that's a huge thing to see. Well, it's, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's soccer is a game where like the ebbs and flows of the match can really sort of get away from you. Mm if you're a young player and, and that's something we sort of saw with TFC two last season was, you know, I, I didn't watch them as much in the earlier years as I did last year, but they were in most of their games last year. And it was just sort of when things got really tough, they didn't have that mm. one person to put their foot on the ball and sort of dictate the rhythm and sort of get everyone together and be like, okay, we, we hold it here. We stop this now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can, you can slow down. You don't have to go, you know, a hundred miles an hour for 90 minutes when you're, when you have a, you know, one goal lead or, or whatever. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, just that yeah. savvy to sort of to take control of a situation and, mm. and to to wrestle it back from the opposition. And, and you know, I think that's something that we're going to see from some of those older guys, some of those guys with that bit more of a, a little bit more nous when it comes to managing the game this year. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, any um, I'll kind of lump these together. Any, uh, you know, marquee matchups and rivalries, obviously there's one, uh, you know, another team in your province. Uh, and then, you know, anything that you're looking forward to as far as the league itself is concerned, you know, heading into this year that might not be a, a TFC2 thing? Yeah, you know, in terms of the rivalries, um, aside from the obvious one being Ottawa, <laughs> uh, one of the more fascinating things last year was that uh, for a team that really struggled when it came to playing those first place teams, they yeah. really gave them a run for their money. You know, that Charlotte, <laughs> Charlotte, Charleston, like they beat both of them yep. um, and, you know, took some points and, and generally put in really good showings in those matches. So I'm very curious to see how the side sort of handles that this year. You know, I was joking with Jason Bent that, he, you know, he should start lying to the players and just tell them that every team <laughs> they were playing against was at the top of the table. He didn't think that was a very good idea, but mm. I mean, that's why he's a coach and I'm not, you know. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, it's also um, why he, what's, maybe that's also why he moved up. Maybe you know? <laughs> he went, well, no, let's try that out. James has a decent idea. Let's bring in somebody else from France and maybe he'll, he'll be more game for it. So yeah, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to put that one in my back pocket. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, for Ottawa, having, having that local rivalry, I know it's a North American derby, but I mean, it's, it's all we can ask for around here. It's about a four mm. and a half, five hour drive up to Ottawa. And, mm. You know, the competition between the two, one is the provincial capital and one is the national capital. Uh, our hockey teams, you know, the Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs have a battle have a battle of Ontario. Yeah. So to have it in soccer form, you know, it, it got a little feisty in a couple of meetings last year. It definitely has that feel of, 
of this is a team in particular that you really want to to lay an extra mm-hmm. beating on. Mm-hmm. There is the slightly strange aspect that the first team in Toronto can also meet Ottawa in yeah. the Warriors Cup when they play. So there's something there's something a little bit different about it in the sense that for Ottawa, you know, they would definitely get up for playing the first team. You know, like mm-hmm. that for them is sort of their chance at, at grabbing some national spotlight some some attention to themselves whereas sure. when you're playing tfc2 it's it's a little more subdued and ottawa has really doubled down on on sort of bringing in canadian talent and, yes you know for our national team program which which needs guys to be playing as much as possible um i think it's it can only be good you know as a bit of a mm-hmm. homer for canadian sure sure, sure uh as far as around the rest of the league, you know, one of the things that really has caught my eye in this last offseason, I, I didn't watch as much of the rest of the league as I wish mm-hmm. I had last year. Sure. But I was very impressed with, uh, you know, just watching this Toronto-Colorado series in the Champions League. Enzo Martinez was probably yes. the best player on the pitch for for Colorado. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, you know, he caught my eye last year with some of the performances he was putting in. Uh, to see Chris Weehan sign with San Jose. To see uh, Sebastian Ibiaga just end yep. up with NYCFC, you know, I'm very curious to see who sort of raises their head above the parapet in USL and sort of puts mm-hmm. themselves on the radar for a move up. And you know, I, I know it's always sort of tough with the tiers, and and there's always going to be this squabbling between which tier is which and which is better and who belongs yep. where and how yep. the pyramid should look. But I mean, for players to really sort of put their names on the map. And, uh, you know, earn themselves a chance up in MLS is something that I, I find very interesting. Right on. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, it's funny. Uh, the USL and, and the, well, maybe not the league itself, but the players that teams are bringing in um, this year, and, I, you know, you and, and TFC2 have a little bit more experience in the league than I do, you know, coming in when Bethlehem did the year after. But this year it definitely seems like the, the diversity – in terms of the countries guys are coming in from is, is a lot wider. You know, do you see more Irish guys coming in? Um, you know, you mentioned you signed somebody from Africa. We signed somebody from Zambia, which I believe is a first in the United States uh, at any level professionally. Um, Prosper Chalua, which is just a brilliant name, um, <laughs> you know, and, and he'll be on loan and he's looked really well in training, um, you know, and, and um, trying to think, you know, who else and just, you know, a lot more guys that aren't necessarily from the United States uh, and, and, you know, that's only good for the USL. And then to see the guys, like you're saying, your Enzo Martinez, you know, your, your Mitch Hildebrand, obviously with Atlanta, um, you know, uh, Amy Haga or however you say his last name, which I'm yeah, just going to butcher regardless of how <laughs> you can try it. So, you know, the defender from, from San Antonio where New York city finally, you know, learned that they can do that, which is exciting. Um, you know, and, and bring up a team from their USL affiliate or a, a player from their USL affiliate, you know, so it's, it's great to see the USL grow as much as it has in the last you know, year or two even. And, and, you know, to see MLS, you know, and, and those front offices recognizing that and bringing those guys in and, and for those guys to not look, you know, uncomfortable when they're there um, is, is huge for sure. Yeah. I, I think it's, it speaks to, you know, the sourcing from players around the globe, the, uh, the willingness to, to look at division two, whereas before, mm. you know, maybe it was off the radar. I, I think that just speaks to sort of the maturation of the game here in yes. general, where, you know, when it comes to professional soccer, you can't really have prejudices. Mm. You know, you can't you can't say, oh, we're not going to look there because, you know, maybe in the past it didn't work. You can't have sure. biases. And I, I 
I really sort of feel like what, what we've seen in the landscape in general is sort of a bit more of a willingness to, to get outside of your comfort zone and to try different things and, and to look beyond your sort of immediate field of vision. And, you know, that can only be good for the game as a whole. Yeah. Right on, right on. Uh, yeah. Wow. That's good stuff. I want people to, to tweet us or you or, or a wide combination of both of those. And just, I need thoughts on that. Cause I think we're on the something there. Um, and you know, at the, at the sake of being labeled as you, you know, having the league in my pocket or anything like that, I, I don't think that, you know, I'm not going to say it's a conceded or a, you know, a, a driven effort from USL to maybe go outside of traditional boundaries or places where you'd think that people would show up to America from, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think there's evidence to back us up a little bit there. No, uh, you never know. You never know where talent's going to come from, you know, oh, for sure. For you sure. Keep your eyes open. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, you you had some some questions or some some talking points for uh, for myself or just people in general. Um, I I guess just what I wanted to to mention was sort of like uh, for the lack of success that we've sort of seen from TFC two when it comes to USL mm. in terms of the development of players. You know, we're starting to see uh, we're starting to see the fruits of that. You know, we we already spoke about Raheem Edwards and we spoke about Liam Fraser sort of graduating up to the first team, but you know, aside from that, uh, you know, Mark Anthony Kay, who was in Louisville yep. last year, he's down with LAFC now, and he's a TFC Academy product. Uh, you know, Quillen Roberts is on trial with LAFC as well, and he's a guy who spent some time here. And then, you know, Jordan McCrary, who, you know, New England drafted a couple of years ago, and then TFC2 brought him in last year. He just signed with the Seattle Sounders. And so, you know, you guys have Brandon Aubrey down there, and I'm sure yep. though last year was a bit tough on him, and he wasn't you know, able to keep a place in Toronto. I'm sure that experience has done a lot of good for him. And mm. another one of the guys that they let go, Mitch Tanner, has found himself in Sacramento. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, in terms of that sort of dual role, trying to to wear both hats of developing and winning, mm. it's it's a slow process, but I think we're starting to see the fruits of that, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's one of those things, I think um, – and again, I, you know, I hate sounding biased or anything, but it is the club that I'm closest to and the one that I follow and the one that lets me hang out and, you know, ask questions and they don't think I'm terribly stupid. So that's exciting. But for Bethlehem, <laughs> I think for them, the first year was, was a lot better than anyone could have hoped for in terms of developing players and, and things like that, or even just the results they had, cause they were right in the thick of the playoff race till they, uh, you know, dropped points against, uh, Orlando city being the last game of the season. Then they, you know, they made the playoffs this year and, um, yeah. And, you know, honestly, I think the more people find out or the more people know, or the more that's out there about the academies that these teams get to draw from because Toronto and Philly, you know, do have really, really solid academy programs. Um, you know, the easier it's going to be for people to understand the idea behind an MLS two team, I think is kind of yeah, what it comes I, down to. I, I think like, I'm not sure about the situation there in Philadelphia, but I, I presume it's somewhat similar where when you're the professional club and you're, you're landing this sort of mothership in a, in an area that has a pre-existing <laughs> structure, sure. there's always those sort of little little headbutting situations that go on like a, a youth club that has a player they really like and they they don't really want to let him go to the to the professional outfit because mm. he's he's helping them win trophies and he's putting them sure on. and so sure. you know it's been a it's been a 10-year struggle here in toronto to sort of build those relationships and mend fences and, and hurt feelings that have come along the way mm. and so I, I think i think it's one of those things where 
it takes a long time to formalize a structure that was previously very ad hoc. Mm. You know, so the mm-hmm. longer these academy systems are there, the longer these USL two teams are there. Like that's one of the reasons that you know Vancouver deciding not to return their team was very disappointing in the sense that, sure. Sure. you know, you need that bridge, and and it may not look like it's paying off for the investment that you're putting in right now, mm-hmm. but with time it will start to. Yeah, and that's a weird um, thing that's been happening. And obviously, we don't know what's going on with Orlando City B because we're pretty sure they're going to come back as a as a D three to kind of you know lessen, like you were saying, that financial impact. Um, but speaking of the impact, you know, FC Montreal was the thing, and then they dropped that, and and you know, the Whitecaps too bowed out. So, um, but then on the flip side of that, you see teams like you know DC is kicking around the idea of starting a USL team, and Atlanta United, you know, two is is a thing that's happening. Um, so, you know, it's weird because for all the teams that drop out, you know, they kind of point to the the financial aspects of things or they don't really, you know, explain why they're going away or, you know, they say they're taking a hiatus and, and things like that. But for all the teams that buy in um, on the MLS side of things and make a two team, you always see them point to, well, you know, for us, we wanted that that kind of full control over what happens after these kids graduate from our academy. Yeah, you know, the FC Montreal thing is, is really interesting. And, you know, they've sort of formed a partnership with Ottawa. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, maybe two or three players ended up joining the Fury last year when FC right. Montreal sort of, sort of, you know, decided that they wouldn't play on. And then you see, you know, Balou Tabla end up at Barcelona B. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I, how did I forget? I've, well, because it's so crazy to me that that happened is how I forgot about that. I know, but I mean, like, think about how many, if you can produce a player like that every three, four, five years. Right. That's got to cover the cost of that team for that long, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, you're stocking a couple of guys into your first team every year, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't see how it doesn't work out financially in the long term. Sure, sure. Well, and I mean, that's at the end of the day, it comes down to who who are the guys in charge, you know, because I think, um, some front offices and and to Toronto's credit, they didn't have to go. Yep. We want to have a two team because they're doing well, you know, I mean, historically not a great side in MLS, (laughs) uh, unfortunately, but in recent years, they've, uh, they've somehow money, uh, you know, turned that around and become kind of the envy of the East, Um, you know, and, and for a team like that, that's on top and, you know, I'll give credit for, for Seattle and Portland and, and, um, you know, Real Salt Lake has has the Monarchs and everything. You know, there's these successful franchises, Red Bull, another example, that don't need to do this, that do it because they know the philosophy behind it and they buy into that. So I don't know, you know, maybe showing Montreal or Vancouver, you know, or, or some of these other teams or Orlando City even that, you know, they go, well, you know, it's just not for us after two years. And then you go, well, you know, think about it from this way. Where What if you can find a bunch of bench options or, or heaven forbid, a couple of starters for, you know, what? pennies on the dollar you know it's uh it's it's definitely an interesting organizational decision you know and the way that i sort of see it is um you know here in north american sports we're used to franchises and and Mm -hmm. sort of the upper professional expression of that is what we're most familiar with whereas the the world of you know world football sort of works on this club system Yes. And the teams that are willing to to invest in their academy, to invest in USL teams, they're accepting that that's how the world does it. 
and mm. they're seeing that that is what's worked everywhere and that is what they want to do you know whether it turns out to be the right choice we'll have to see but you know in, in my opinion it, i i think it is mm. so mm-hmm. well uh james i appreciate it that was uh a great time and, and hopefully people don't mind us talking about two uh, well you know mls a very mls2 specific episode i suppose uh yeah. but you know i i think it helps and you know i think a lot of times and i don't know if it's your experience at all but there might be and it's not everybody and it's i'm not even saying it's a you know a, a decent chunk of the minority of people but you know every so often in your in your mentions or whatever or, or i don't know if you know on waking the red or anything people go oh why do you care about tfc2 um, and then you go, well, look at all those guys that, you know, I saw three years ago and, and things like that. So I, you know, I hope, you know, between the two of us talking and, and, and things like that, people might have a, uh, a different outlook on, on two teams, or at least kind of understand where we're coming from. That's all I, all I can hope to do. So, um, real quick, feel free to plug yourself and tell everyone where they can find you on the internet among other things. And then we can, uh, we can get out of here. All right. Uh, for TFC two purposes, I cover the team for waking the red over at SB nation and, uh, we'll be ramping that up in the coming weeks. Um, I also covered Toronto FC for MLSsoccer.com and Toronto FC.ca. So if you're ever interested in how, uh, how they're doing as they prepare for Tigres and the CONCACAF champions league, feel free to look me up. And then on Twitter, you can follow me at Grossi and it's sort of a bastardization of my last name. G R A W S E E. I uh, I got to tell you, the first time I went to I went to grab your your Twitter handle, I went, God damn it! Like, why didn't I do that or or something? Because you know, like that's just such a solid handle. Um, anyway, yep. Uh, <laughs> I I'm jealous is is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, um, appreciate you coming on. Feel free anytime you want to hop back on talk Toronto FC two. I'll try to I'll probably try to get like a an MLS two team roundtable or something going around the halfway point of the season. Um, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll invite you to that, uh, now just so that I can hold you to it. Uh, and then, uh, you know, other than that, really appreciate you coming on and, uh, and taking time out of your, I'm sure hectic is just schedule to talk to me. Oh, anytime, man. I really enjoyed it. All good. James, appreciate it. All right. Take care, man.